Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Golf Strategy School. Now, I know you're listening because you want to learn how to play better golf. But if you want to see how you compare to other golfers your age, you need to check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. That is par, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And what it will do is it will actually give you a free assessment where you can see exactly how you measure up against other people your age. And you can see where you're excelling, where you need to focus your time on. And this is an assessment, honestly, that you can take once a month just to see how you're progressing throughout your golf journey. So again, check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see how you measure up against other golfers your age. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Marty Griffin, and you are listening to the Golf Strategy School podcast. It's the only podcast that's really designed to help people, you know, get over that milestone score of breaking 90 or breaking 100. And today I've got a question for you. Have you seen the meme that says, shows two guys walking on a golf course carrying their bag, and it says, the best playing partner is the one that you're just a little bit better than? Well, I'm I'm sure if you haven't seen that exact one, you've seen some basically saying the same thing. And I actually have a contrary opinion. To me, the best playing partner is one who's actually better than you because there's things that you can learn from them. So today what I want to talk about is five things that great golfers do that you absolutely need to start copying right now because it's going to help you play better. All right, let's talk about it. Okay, so when we start looking at really good golfers, we start to notice a pattern that emerges. And one of those things is that they don't fix their swing on the course. I cannot tell you how many times I've played with higher handicappers or how many times I've had to remind my students that we're not working on that right now. That's not our concern right now. We're out here playing golf. If you are trying to fix your swing on the golf course, you are setting yourself up for disaster. And that's because you will have no consistency to your game. You need to have one process that you're working on from front to end of your round. This is something that we don't, you know, we don't do it for three holes and then say, oh, well, you know, it's not really kind of working. I think I need to kind of flip it here and flip it there. And like honestly, this is something that even good golfers sometimes struggle with. You know, they'll have like a number in their head. Well, if it happens four times in a row, then it's a pattern and then I should deal with it. Really, you need to be focusing on whatever your one predominant thought is throughout your round. Now, some people might have a swing thought that they're working on. Some people might have a mental process that they're working on. And that's going to vary for you based on what your practice has looked like leading up to this particular round of golf. But really, the whole point of the matter is that we're not trying to fix things, fix mechanical things on the golf course. We want to have one basic, simple principle that we're trying to stick to on the course. That way, we don't have to exert a ton of mental energy to try and make this work. Now, the other thing, and it's on that line of consistency, is their approach to each shot. <clears throat> I know you've heard me talk about this before. 
consistency is king. And when we're really kind of thinking about consistency, how can we possibly expect to have a consistent result when we don't have a consistent approach to each individual shot? All good golfers can right off the top of their head tell you their pre-shot routine. Mine is my avenue to success. Analyze, visualize, execute. And execute isn't was the shot good. Execute was more of was I committed to what I had decided in my analyze and visualize steps. And if you'd like to learn more about that, you can head over to golfstrategyacademy.com and learn more about exactly how I teach and why I teach the way I teach. But it's about that pre-shot routine, really. And when you start to look at great golfers, they even have a post-shot routine. It's not something most people think about, but having routines that transition you into the shot and out of the shot are very, very important. I will just quickly give you my pre-shot routine. I stand behind the ball. I start to do all my analyzation. I am in my think box. I'm deciding what I'm going to do with this shot. I'm looking at the distance, the wind, where I want the ball to land. When I start getting into that, I'm getting into my visualization process. All right, if I want the ball to land here, what do I want the shape to look like before it lands there? What do I want it to do after it lands there? And then I step up, I take one practice swing, I look at my target one last time, I address the ball, and then, again, thinking to that commitment of that plan that I just made, I take my shot. That's my very brief pregame, pregame, pre-shot process. If I want to describe my post-shot routine, really it's just giving me a way to assess emotionally how I felt about that shot within either 20 steps or 10 seconds, depending on where that shot came from. If I'm hitting a drive or a shot from the middle of the fairway, I'm going to give myself 20 steps to think about exactly how that went. I can curse it and be like, oh, damn it, that could have gone over here. It should have gone there. I could be praising it. You know, all right, that one went exactly what I wanted to. Man, if I can hold on to that for the rest of the day, it's going to be awesome. But only give myself 20 steps if I'm moving towards the green. If I'm already on or around the green or even putting, I give myself 10 seconds to go through that same emotional process before I start transitioning into whatever my next shot's going to be and what that pre-shot routine is going to look like. Again, starting the analyzing, the visualizing, leading up to the execution. So having a consistent pre-shot and really, if you want to talk about great golfers, post-shot routine can go a long way to really helping you bring a level of consistency to your game. Again, when we're talking about consistency, it's leading us right into our third tip, and that is distance control, distance consistency. Now, you might think you know how far your clubs go, but have you really actually tested it? You can go and maybe work with a launch monitor. And um, I apologize because I forget the, the listener who pointed this out last time. But I mentioned going through this process on a driving range. And they pointed out that a lot of times driving ranges use limited flight golf balls. And they are spot on. That person is 100% correct. So I apologize. I don't remember who had that comment, but they are spot on. Be careful about doing this on a driving range because if that driving range uses limited flight golf balls, you might be providing yourself with inaccurate data. But you can take your own golf balls because you should always be using as real of equipment as possible, as close to what you're going to be using on the course, and 
measure it with a launch monitor. You can, a launch monitor doesn't actually need that full flight. A launch monitor, it measures the club head speed, the ball speed, the angle of your club coming in, the angle of the ball leaving, and the rotations per minute. That's kind of the, the quick and dirty measurements of a launch monitor. So you could hit into a net. You could go to, if you're like me in Wisconsin and you have winter and you kind of get shut down, you could go to an indoor simulator place. And you could use their launch monitor to work on your distances. A lot of them even have driving range simulators. It's pretty darn cool. But really, knowing your distances are important. Well, Marty, how am I supposed to test my distances if you just told me that driving ranges might be inaccurate? Well, again, first check to see if they have limited flight golf balls. Otherwise, if you can go to a simulator place and maybe pay, I mean, it depends on what they charge per hour as to whether or not it's worth it for you. But you really only need about 10 shots with each club to figure it out. And what I would do is I would, I would, I would challenge you to say, how far does this club go? Tell me ahead of time. All right. If that's how far the club goes, you need to hit 10 shots and we should see a pretty even distribution of short and long. So if I tell you that my eight iron goes 162 because that's how far it goes and I hit 10 shots I should see a pretty damn tight pattern around 162. It might be five of them go 165 and five of them go 160. Honestly, that's perfect. I would love that if, you know, they're all kind of scattered and sprinkled in that distance range. But that's how you really figure out how far your clubs go. You have to pick a target that is roughly the same distance as your club goes, and you need to start hitting shots at it to see whether they're going short or long. Again, if you're on a driving range, be careful. They might use limited flight golf balls. Plus, we want to use whatever golf balls we would normally be using anyway, because if you use a premium ball, you want to know how that premium ball reacts. So use your own equipment, if at all possible. That's why I like launch monitors that you can hit into a net or maybe a simulator place where you can just take, you know, maybe 30 minutes before you play your simulated round and work through all your clubs on the driving range. Now, before we get into our last two, I do want to remind you, if you're liking this content, hey, drop a like, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell, and let me know what you like about this in the comments below. But when we're going off, we're all kind of working through this consistency process and, you know, leading into tip number four, if we want consistency throughout all of our swings, it's really because we want consistency in our scores. And this fourth principle is really just don't get preoccupied with your score. I see this all the time, and this leads us to a conversation really about self-limiting beliefs. Now, if your goal is to break 90, let's say shoot 89, are you going to be happy if you shoot 85? Hell yeah, you are. You're going to be ecstatic. <laughs> you know, you're going to blow the doors off of your goal. That would be fantastic. Well, what happens if you're on a roll and you shoot let's say 42 on the front nine. And you're like, hell yeah, I'm rocking it. I got my confidence up. All I want to do is shoot 89. I am well on my way. Well, if you shoot 42 on the front and all you're trying to do is shoot 89, there's a chance. And because you have this thought process of only wanting to shoot 89, it's a larger chance that you're going to kind of take your foot off the gas and you're going to kind of dial back, whether it be your aggressiveness, your conservativeness, there's a chance that you're going to change how you're playing to suit that goal, to land at that number. 
How many times, be honest with me, and this is something you can put in the comments below, how many times have you been out there where you shoot wonderfully on the front nine and it all falls, falls apart on the back nine? That could be because subconsciously you just have this very specific numeric goal. That's why I don't like it when people rather that they break down a subset of micro goals. That way you can stay more present and in the moment. Now, if you listen to past episodes, you've heard me talk about this as kind of a concept for breaking 80. So if I'm helping a golfer break 80, I'm going to say, I want you to hit 50% of your fairways. I want you to hit 60% of the greens from those fairways and all the rest of the holes. I want you to get up and down 70% of the time. And that way they're going to keep their goals much more short and shot by shot based rather than broad spectrum end of round based. Now, the other way that this comes into kind of mental effect, and this was a, a tip given by Will Robbins, who is a, a past guest on the podcast, and he, he put it out there wonderfully, and he absolutely blew my mind with this. He said, if you are coming in and you shoot, what, like, what would you do if I told you you were going to shoot your personal best today? Told him, well, I'm, I'm going to be ecstatic because I know I'm going to shoot the best round I've ever had. He goes, what if you shoot that personal best and you took a 10 on the last hole? Like, I'm going to be pissed because that means a lot of strokes were left out there. He's like, all right, what if you shoot your personal best and you took a 10 on the first hole? How are you going to feel? And right when he said that, I knew what he was doing. I'm like, son of a, <laughs> I'm going to be ecstatic. If I take a 10 on the first hole and then I still go out and shoot my personal best, I'm, you are not going to be able to keep me on the ground. I'm going to be so happy. I'm going to be jumping up and down, doing somersaults, backflips. And then he hit me with it. He's like, why would it matter? You shot your personal best. Why are we tying what happens when to the value of our round? Because it has absolutely zero impact. The only value is that final score. So really what I'm telling you is don't worry about the final score. We need to stay in the moment shot by shot. And so what you can do is you can set a goal for yourself to hit a specific percentage of fairways, hit a specific percentage of greens from those fairways, and then get up and down a specific percentage of the time. Now, if you're just trying to you know shoot under 100 for the first time or just trying to break 90, Obviously, you're not going to use 50, 60, 70 for those because those are going to be unrealistic goals. At that point, I would say something like thirds. All right, I want you to hit one third of your fairways. And from those fairways that you hit, I want you to hit one third of those greens in regulation. Little goals, not big deal. Just minuscule amounts of pressure rather than I've got to break 90, I've got to break 90, I've got to break 90. We're shrinking the amount of pressure because we're shrinking the size of the goal. And then maybe from all of those greens that we don't get on in regulation, maybe we just get up and down one third of the time. If we can set those goals to be much smaller, they become much more achievable. And then at the end, when we're tallying up our score, it's a much prettier number. So that's tip number four is to just kind of let go of your standard perception of score because it's not as big of a deal. And as soon as you make it less of a deal, the number is going to get a lot better. All right. And our last one, 
this really kind of has to do with, this is one of the few ones that actually has to do with like mechanics of the swing. When you watch good golfers, and I want you to actually think about like, who's the best golfer you play with? When you watch good golfers, they've probably got really good balance. And that balance usually comes from a nice rhythm. So our fifth tip here of good things or things that great golfers do that you can copy is just to kind of focus a little bit more on your balance and your rhythm. I see it all the time where golfers are, they're really trying to finish that swing and hold that pose, but they're wobbling all over the place back and forth because they didn't have good balance throughout their swing, which is usually tied to poor rhythm throughout the swing. So let's focus a little bit more on our balance and our rhythm. Now, again, gee, Marty, be more balanced and have more rhythm. Duh. Of course that's important, but how do I do it? Well, generic weekend golfer, how do we do it? There's a couple things that we can do. When we're trying to establish good rhythm, you have to be aware of how much tension you're carrying in your swing. And that can be done just like through some practice on the range, just being aware of how tense you are. What I like to do is called a tension scale. And that is a lesson that I have in my breaking 80 blueprint. So if you're interested in learning how to get better for less than the cost of one lesson per month, head over to golfstrategyacademy.com. You can sign up, get 30 days free for my golf strategy Academy, and you can learn exactly how I go through my, my tension scale, but you have to be aware of how much tension you're carrying through your swing. And then how do we go about developing rhythm? Well, this is something that I've talked about on past podcast episodes. So I'll reshare the kind of the cliff notes version here. Rhythm is going to be measured in different ways by different people. Some people might like a quicker rhythm. Some people might like a slower rhythm. There's nothing that's really A plus good or bad about either, just as long as it's something that, again, keeps you in balance. The way I teach my girls is, I in case you didn't know, I've got two daughters. They're seven and 11 as of this recording. The way that I teach them is to sing Mary Poppins' Chim Chimini in their swing. So their backswing is Chim Chimini, and then coming through is Chim Chimini. So backswing uh, is the first Chim, and then impact is the second Chim, and the follow-through is the finishing of the second Chim. Now, that's my girls. They don't understand what a waltz rhythm is, so that's how I relate it to them. So you could do the same thing just with a waltz rhythm, which is one, two, three, one, two, three. The other way that you could do it is just by saying out loud through your swing, 101. And that is that one is bringing us back to impact. And then we have to just finish nice and solid and balanced. I do have another lesson that we could go through if you wanted to talk about rhythm. Again, that's another one that is in my Golf Strategy Academy. It's called the Hum Drill. It comes from award-winning instructor Jeff Gregg. And that one is a wonderful way to actually get some auditory feedback on whether or not you are swinging in rhythm. But really what it comes down to for most people is slowing down just a little bit on the backswing so they can keep things more in balance. And if you can do that, you're going to have better balance. And when we think about these five tips that we've talked about, this is kind of a good one to roll back to tip number one, which is don't fix our swing on the course. Let's have one general thought. That general thought 
can be more balance. All right. Now, I don't want to do your homework for you because you might have something that is a little bit more pertinent, that is a little bit more on fire <laughs> in your golf swing, but it is absolutely something that most people could do to increase their skill level and bring that score down a little bit right away. So if you like this video, if you found this valuable, I would surely appreciate a like and a subscribe. Otherwise, if you're listening to the podcast version of this, hey, make sure you've actually subscribed through whatever podcast listener you are using. It's on Spotify, iHeartRadio, obviously Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, but wherever you listen, I would certainly appreciate a subscribe and hey, an honest review. So until next time, everybody, I will catch you in the short grass. Cheers. Hey, one last quick thing. If you're someone who's already breaking 90 and you have already, you know, maybe you're a person who's been listening to the podcast for a while, you've been taking my advice and now you're shooting in the eighties and you're wondering, Hey, how do I actually go about breaking 80 now? Well, first off, congratulations for achieving your goal of breaking 90. But second, check out this video series right here. I just did a four part series all about how to break 80. Now, this is going over what I consider to be our four fundamental cornerstones on breaking 80, but it's a free little series right here. No email address needed, nothing, but you can pop on over, click this little box here, and it'll take you to that series. And hey, I will also be catching you in the short grass. All right, everybody. Peace. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par4success.com slash Griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of this free performance assessment that Chris and his team has put together. Again, that's parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see exactly how well you line up against all their golfers your age. And I'll just drop a link to it in the show notes.